With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 5 I made an executive decision for Purple Daily that on Mondays what I want to do is have overreactions be our hot route. So ramp up our football music, and for a few minutes here, we'll get back to the Vikings very shortly. But I want to look at some things relevant to the Vikings and have Judd Zolgad, who is joining me now, and Jonathan Harrison overreact to these things. Okay, you guys ready? Of course. Our first thing to overreact to is, um, do you want to trade... For anyone who plays for Miami, because there was a report that uh, multiple players in Miami sent notes after the game to their agents after losing 59 to 10 to Baltimore, saying that they would like to be traded away from the Miami Dolphins. So will the Miami Dolphins start trading people and should the Vikings be interested in whoever they're trading? All right. I will start us off by saying this. The Miami Dolphins on cutdown day made at least two substantial trades, correct? At least, okay. Do these guys who are going to their agents after the debacle of Sunday with the Dolphins not understand that they're part of the plan? <laughs> like, what, what are these guys doing? You're part of the losing plan. Like, you were kept because you stink. Now, I think their secondary actually is halfway decent. They should have signed Corey Vedvik if they wanted to lose. Exactly. Just in case anyone's are close. Now, now so I think, I think their secondary is halfway decent. So there might be a guy, Howard, considering, considering Minnesota's lack of depth in the secondary, Mackenzie Alexander having, I believe, ouch, a dislocated elbow. Yeah, I think he's going to be all right. And uh, Mike Hughes could play this weekend, okay. Mike Zimmer said. But most of these guys are part of plan. You You're around because you stink at football. So where am I going to trade you? Yeah, it's a good like, point. Minnetonka High School? <laughs> wow. No, I'm serious. There you have it. I'm probably <laughs> trading for someone in their secondary, like you said. Uh, otherwise, it'd be Josh Rosen. That's about it. Mm. Uh, Josh Rosen did get in the game a little bit, and if he plays, I feel awful yeah. for Josh Rosen. All right, uh, another overreaction here, Judd. Cleveland, season over after losing 43-13 to to Tennessee? Well, wait, wait, wait. If I say no, that's no fun. 
So absolutely it's done, and here's why. There's no, and, and this is what, we've talked about this since the day that the hire was made. With this roster and construction of egos and, and a, a football team that I think was crying for a veteran coach, Freddie Kitchens, really? Because he can call plays? Really? That's your choice? 18 penalties. Forget the points. The points against is embarrassing to start with. But 18 penalties against screams of an undisciplined team that needs a veteran coach. You've got Jarvis Landry, OBJ. Can you imagine covering that game? 18 penalties? What did <sighs> they take, like nine hours? Yeah. So anyway, season over because they they that's fine. Mandate that the new guy keeps kitchens because Baker likes him. But hire a coach who's going to have some control. I think it's... No, I don't think it's over yet. I mean, you still have you have the Steelers in your division yet, who looked really bad, who looked terrible yesterday. But you also have the Ravens in your division too, who are really good after what they showed yesterday. Granted, it's against the Dolphins. I don't think it's over quite yet. But if it's if next week is a game like they had in the first week they had yesterday, then yeah, it's probably over. Are the Ravens not the AFC Vikings? And I don't say this because of the purple connection. I mean, just a team that has a, a good coach and a great organization, and they're always in it. Even when things yeah. go wrong for them, even when Joe Flacco was bad as their starting quarterback and was really fading and falling off the cliff, they would hang around and still be either a borderline playoff team or get themselves in the playoffs. And Harbaugh's been there for years now. And we'll see with oh, wait, right? Lamar Jackson. I think so, yeah. I, I want to wait. I don't want to... Um, well, yeah, because they played the Dolphins, so I, need, I agree I, with you. I need. Uh, do I need a button that's just like the extreme snark? Like in Fast and the Furious, the turbo button is like... <laughs> like, all right, let's, let's ramp it up. If Lamar Jackson is this good all the time, yeah. I am pushing that button over and over again. He's like, going to Ken. 30-second pick, huh? <laughs> there comes the snark turbo. <laughs> I, I snark need, uh, turbo. Yes, yeah, snark turbo. Um, okay, yesterday in Arizona, Matt Patricia was just rolling as a head coach in year two and proving how different he really was. Matt Stafford looked great. Arizona looked like garbage. And uh, at one point, actually, Mark Schlereth on the broadcast hilariously said, Arizona's offense looked like garbage, which is really funny. Uh, and that it was an insult to garbage. Yes, it was an insult to garbage. That's what he said. <laughs> Did he really? He said, yeah, he, he said actually that in overtime. Said their yeah. offense for the first three quarters was so bad, it was an insult wow. to garbage. Okay. <laughs> That's such a great line. I remember That's, hearing it and just like, I'm glad you remembered the like, detail wait, on that. What? Did he say yes, that? I felt the same way. I was like, wow. Um, but they were really bad, and then they let this comeback go. And it was very strange because Matt Patricia was playing aggressive defense against a team that was way down. You notice what the Vikings did yesterday, and they always do. When they're up by a couple scores, they're playing everybody back. Sure, you could throw checkdowns to Austin Hooper. Congratulations! Yep. You threw a touchdown on Mark Fields. Like, poor guy has to go guard Julio in his first action. But, like, who cares, right? Mm-hmm. It's 28-12. to 12. And for some reason, Detroit kept playing their regular defense and got tired at the end of the game, and Arizona kept throwing and throwing and throwing. So overreact to this one. Is this proof, Judd, that Matt Patricia and this Detroit team, though talented, will be an insult to garbage this year? Um, so be, beyond their, their offense, the entire franchise, because that's absolutely correct, and it has been for a long, long time. And at best, it's been, at the best, it's ordinarily been garbage. But I believe that Patricia has the has the ability and the inspiration 
to make it an insult to garbage because I think he's got no clue. I think he's got good personnel, and I think if you put him in charge of the defense exclusively, he might be okay. But this guy is as far from head coaching material mm-hmm. as I think one can possibly be. So, yes, Mark Schler's statement extrapolated to include the whole Lions organization does make sense, and I believe mercifully that the Matt Patricia era will end sometime shortly, probably the Monday after the 2019 season, Matthew Collar. I think so, yeah. I mean, you look at you look at what they did last year. They weren't very good. They got rid of a bunch of the leaders on that team, mainly Golden Tate, getting rid of him for some dumb reason. And then you also have what happened yesterday when the Lions on a key third down, or, yeah, on a key third down when if they make this third down, they basically seal up the game in the fourth quarter, and Daryl Bevel, for some reason, is the one calling a timeout on a play that actually worked. Baffling. It doesn't make sense that Daryl Bevel's calling that timeout, that it's not just Matt Patricia calling it, and is just a dumb timeout called at a really dumb time. So, yeah, if Bev? this continues. Yeah. Bev did something shocking, dumb? Shocking, right? I, no, I, if that continues, then yeah. I want to tell you guys, speaking of this game, about a Twitter account, which is just wonderful. So there's a Twitter account that uses a formula to figure out how stupid your punt or game decision called the surrender index. <laughs> and and this I mean this is so good. I want to go over this each week because yesterday and this can be part of your overreactions to see if all these coaches should be fired, but yesterday Cincinnati is down 21 to 20. They have fourth yeah. and 7 at their own 44 and they decide to punt with 3 minutes left. Three minutes left in the game, and they're losing, and they decide to punt the ball away to Russell Wilson, one of the best quarterbacks of the last decade, and then they just lost and never got another shot. Okay, but explain this. This is a this is a friend of McVay's. It's, it's Zach Taylor, right? This I would like to make this point about Sean McVay. He is not genius when it comes to game management. Okay, but he hired and a neither guy. Neither is this guy. But he hired Jed Fish to be his to be his guy, and maybe that's the to problem. assist him. But I, but I don't he get it. He botched one last but year this against is, the Vikings. Cliff this, Kingsbury botched it in overtime. But here's what confuses me. We'll get there. We talk about we talk about these old school coaches who don't get it, and these new school guys who are supposed to come in and make rational Madden like right choices because they yeah. grew up with Madden. What the hell are they doing? Uh, so what this does, the surrender index, it tries to. Um, put in percentiles of how cowardly your coach was. And so Cliff Kingsbury's punt, fourth and seven with a minute ten uh, remaining, was a 99th percentile cowardly punt since 2009. This is is the data from the surrender index. Think about this. Your quarterback is dominating an exhausted defense. Your number one pick who can run around and do crazy stuff and has a great arm and has led this spectacular comeback. You need every win you can get. Your division is good. You're not good at all. You need this desperately. It's fourth and seven. There's a minute left. If you punt, you tie. Like, it's a guarantee that you either tie or lose. They also have a kicker who can make it from frickin' space. Matt Prater is the best kicker of all time. And your decision is to punt? Like, what? That was the most clueless and baffling decision. And maybe it makes sense that Cliff Kingsbury has these great offenses and never wins in college because of stuff like that. He that got, was crazy. He got fired as a college head coach. He got the USCOC um, offensive coordinator job. And then the Cardinals were like, oh, no, we want him. Did he forget that you can tie in the NFL? Because you can't do it in college, obviously. Yeah, maybe Did he, he just go into that overtime maybe and realize, like, can't oh, wait for can't the shootout. Yeah. You're not the first person to insinuate that that might have happened to him. 
well, it wouldn't surprise me. Other NFL players have admitted that they didn't know you could tie in the NFL. McNabb didn't know. <laughs> Kyler Murray. Believe uh, me, I saw him play. I wasn't surprised by that. <laughs> Murray looked distraught on the sideline when he told them they were going to punt. Like, what are you talking Cause, about? Because Kyler Murray, punt? I think, is really good and fairly football smart. Yeah. He probably knew he you couldn't tie in the NFL. Did look or you good. could tie in the NFL. I think he did know. Um, all right. Um, let's see. I think I had one more here. Um, oh, yes. Dallas. Juggernaut offensively or ah, uh, Giants? Right now? Ah, uh, Giants. Yeah, probably. Ah, uh, it's the Giants. <laughs> yeah. who, who played Daniel Jones? I love it. But I, th- I think they're trying that, so hard already. I actually think that Dallas can have a great offense, though. I mean, now with Amari Cooper, they get Zeke back. Oh, the sure. offensive line is healthy. Well, Dak. And, and Dak is. I have been on the Dak is good train. That's where I've been. Why does the Dak is not good train exist? I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but what is the Dak is? There's this insinuation that he's not that good, and I don't get that one. So I, th- I think, A, that people hang on to draft status forever. Okay. So he's a fourth-round pick, and it's, well, he's not supposed to be that good. He does not throw a perfect football. He is not Dan Marino by any shape uh, or form. And in his second year, even though they went 9-7, and seven, still solid, he regressed a little bit because their offensive line got hurt. Des Bryant fell off the side of the earth. Cole Beasley isn't that good at football and was like their number one receiver. And the other guy who crashed a car with a Vikings player was, who was that? The wide receiver who's in a car crash. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so he had no receiving weapons. They get Amari Cooper, and then he's really good last year. I think it's just that people thought they were sort of confirming him as a pop-up quarterback mm. by his second season and then the beginning of last year. And he doesn't have a traditional look to him, uh, and he has to run a lot and things like that. That would be my guess. Okay. But if he's throwing the ball like he was yesterday, he's not going to throw for 400 all the time, but he can be pretty damn good, I think. And that Dallas team might be very dangerous. Yeah. Terrence Williams, Declan, thank you. Uh, he sent me that text. Oh, who, who, who was crash? the player he was with? Do you remember? I don't remember who he was with. Um, but Terrence Williams was not a good receiver, and uh, they didn't have a lot of weapons that year. So, anyhow, that's the, our overreaction Monday around the league. So let's do that every Monday. Let's take a break. I want to address... I started to talk about it with Sage, and then he got really excited about Antonio Brown. So I want to address something that people have been snarking about online. And... Uh, it pertains to Kirk Cousins. So we'll talk about that when we return. Judd Zolgad, Jonathan Harrison, fact checker Declan Goff here as well. We'll be right back on Purple Daily. Join Dan Terrar and myself this Wednesday night for Score North's coverage of Minnesota United and the Houston Dynamo with pregame at 7 and kick at 7.30 right here on Score North on AM 1500, the Score North mobile app, and scorenorth.com. I, I think every game calls for something different. Uh, don't be surprised if we have to win a game 52-51 to 51 this year. Coach Zimmer wouldn't be very happy about that, but uh, every week is different. And I think you look around the league today and you see how wacky the scores can be and the results can be, and you realize that... Uh, every game is its own entity, and you have to go play what the game calls for. Um, so it's very important that you understand what kind of game we had to play today to win, and that's what we played. I think I figured this out, Judd. So I got a couple of tweets about Kirk Cousins' press conference yesterday, and people asked, uh, was Kirk mad about only throwing 10 passes? Because if you even listen to his tone there, he's kind of like, well... 
We uh, had to play that way, and uh, 4,000 yards is going to be harder to get to now. Uh, It was the tone that some people took. I think I figured this out, though. Mm -hmm. I I think from Cousins' perspective, it's very hard to go to the podium and act like you've just won the Super Bowl or be super hyped up and whatever if you didn't really play the biggest role in the win. Now he had a quarterback sneak for a touchdown. Thanks for taking my advice in quarterback sneaking, Vikings. Good, he also had idea. one for a first down, which you also suggested. Uh, I did. That was I, part of the suggestion. I did write a big piece on that last year that had all the data laid out. <laughs> which is clearly. Tom Brady can do it, um, so... Why can't right, Kirk the slowest man. It's the one thing alive. you can do if you're. Yeah, yeah. If Brady can do it, and then uh, I've probably mentioned this before, but the conference call in which I asked Bill Belichick about it will be one of my career highlights. I said, so "Bill, you have this ninety percent success on quarterback sneaks. Uh, what, what do you think is the biggest reason for that? Execution." I was like, "Whoa." <laughs> Thanks, yes, thank thanks, you. coach. Thank you. You've been Belichicked. Yeah, I know. Your I career like, is complete. Like I feel pretty good about this. Actually, I don't care that that answer. Is no, not, in fact, nothing. it's yeah. it's awesome. That's right. It's your own personal non-answer answer from yeah. Bill, and he was busy like um, writing a long letter to Antonio Brown at the time, planning him coming to New England. So uh, anyhow, which has been burned now, no traces. I, I I don't right, of course, just like the tapes from uh, Spygate. Yep. So I got a few tweets about that, and you know, people wondering if Kirk was actually mad that he didn't get his yards. And I don't think that that would be exactly right. I, I think it's just that when you have a great game like Delvin Cook, you go to the podium and everyone says, "Delvin, what a great game it was!" And you're like, "Freaking yeah, it was!" <laughs> and and that's kind of how it works. But if you weren't the one that really did it, uh, then you can't exactly be hyping yourself up. Though I thought Kirk Cousins, for what limited plays that he had in the passing game, completed his throws, threw the touchdown he needed to throw. If he sputters on that first turnover and then they get three, I think it's a different tone to the game. Then it's like, you wasted a punt block. But it just goes to work immediately. And right, that was that one or was that the pick? Well, whichever one it was. The block, the block punt then. Was that Delvin who ran? He re- get my no, order right. No, it's the Thielen touchdown. The Thielen touchdown is yes. first. Then it the started Delvin with the Delvin run okay. that, that got called back on Kyle's hold. All right, just trying to get my order so, yeah, right. It's there. the Thielen touchdown. But, but the, I mean, right away, it's like boom. You've thrown a twenty-three right. yard touchdown. You did exactly what your job is. And I would defend a performance like that where he didn't turn the ball over. Oh, Kirk's performance and he absolutely com- completed passes when he needed to complete them yes. and got them the touchdown he needed to throw. This is what they got from Teddy a lot in uh, 2015. It's what they got from Case a lot in 2017. So do what you're asked to do to win the football game as a quarterback. Don't throw for 300 yards like Matt Ryan when your team's down by three or four scores. So as an aside, um, of course people are pointing to, oh, you paid $84 million for a quarterback to throw <laughs> 10 throws. Now, uh, if we're, it depends on how far you want to go back here, but in terms of what the right plan is for Kirk Cousins, because you have him now, I think the debate is over of, did you make the right move? Should you pay him? Should you bring back Case? Should you draft Lamar Jackson? All that stuff. Uh, we, we've moved on from that to how are you going to deal with what you have now? His paycheck, Gary Kubiak is not up there eating pizza, calling plays for uh, Kevin Stefanski going, mm, made 84 million, better throw. Like, n- that's not what's going on. That's like, what John said last straight, year. It, well, that's exactly what John, John was saying. John said, I'm trying to be a head coach in, in yeah, the league. But so, I've got this toy. Uh, right. So I'm going to have, and he can throw, and I'm going to have him do all this stuff. I think this is the right way to win with Kirk Cousins. And the reason that you paid him $84 million is because is not because of wins like this, where 
Uh, anybody could have won this game as the quarterback. Sean Mannion could have won this game had he played. When you block a punt and when you get a pick, sure. basically starting in the red zone, anyone could have won this game uh, as a quarterback for the most part. Where they will need Kirk Cousins, I don't want to say exactly in shootouts, but I want to say when things are tricky. And Case Keenum was not able to raise the play, raise the level. He was not able to get in a shootout and win. He was not able to face a great defense and win. Uh, usually if he was facing a defense like Philadelphia, that was a problem. Or the second half of the New Orleans playoff game, that was a problem for him because they were a really good defense that year. Whereas Cousins is more talented and supposed to be able to take on great defenses and succeed. Mm -hmm. So... Later on this year, we will find out whether this happens or not. When you go to Green Bay, when you go to Chicago, when you go to Seattle, and you play big games on big stages, and then it's not going to be easy. They'll be close. And even if it's a defensive battle, which it probably will be against Chicago and Green Bay, can you do just enough? And that was, I mean, for the most part in the regular season with Keenum, definitely with Bridgewater in 2015, was it? A big game against a tough opponent, and can you do just enough? And a lot of times those guys uh, did that, and they didn't get that from Cousins yesterday. So it's not, can he, he said, win a 52 51 game. I don't see that happening. I mean, I don't see them giving well, up 51. And I don't lose see that, playing that and way. And you lose. And you did last year against lose, Los Angeles. You lose that That's game. not the game I'm thinking of, though. I'm yeah. thinking of the game that is 21 17 in Chicago where you need him to do just enough, where you can still run, you can still play defense, you can still pound each other's faces in like it's 1991, but what you paid Cousins for is, can he overcome those really tough opponents just by enough to win those games well, and be a very, very good team and win the division? But that gets to, to the key point that has been discussed since Gary got this job, which is, can Gary prop you up to do it? Can Gary put you in a position? If Kirk Cousins is ever in a sole position in, in 2019, Matthew, like he was in 18, which is we need you to win the game and prop us up, you're dead. It's over. It's done. But if Gary can prop you up, you're fine. And, and Cousins was not mad yesterday. What Kirk is used to, I think, through his entire life, going back to his childhood, is being told, Kirk, you're great. Kirk, you're fantastic. Kirk, you're... So I don't think Kirk can bring himself, which some guys can, to say... I don't care I threw 10 passes. Who gives a damn? Now now he tried to, but then we got into the 5251. <laughs> yeah. I I haven't I don't think I ever threw as few as 10 in a Pop Warner game. <laughs> so we always go down that path, but the reality for Kirk is and the Vikings are smart here and Kubiak's smart here. They know that if they ask at the end of this year if Kirk Cousins 2019 stats mirror his 2018 stats, the team's not going to be that good. They don't need that. What they need him to do, and I and and we, we talked about this on the Purple Podcast yesterday, and I will say it again, and it is not a bad word. They need him to manage games as best he can, because he can do that and be good. But this also revolves around what Kubiak tells you to do, not what you think that you should do. It revolves around Dalvin Cook, and if Dalvin Cook can play 16 games, the whole dynamic of this offense is then altered and changed, I believe. And you know what? Some games... Thielen and Diggs are going to catch a ton of passes, and you're going to play a big role, Kirk. But if this ever comes down to, oh my gosh, we're, uh, the defense is falling apart, you're down by 21 points in the third quarter, and you turn to Kirk and say, win this game, big boy, I think you're sunk, Matthew. I really do. But I don't think he was mad. I think it's hard for him to accept the fact 
that that if Gary Kubiak and Mike have their way, Kirk is going to play an important role, but he's only going to play a role. He's mm-hmm. not if if you had if you had an offensive marquee right now outside the stadium said, "Come see the Vikings offense tonight." That marquee has two names to me: Gary Kubiak, Dalvin Cook. Yeah, Dalvin Cook, and might have Diggs or Thielen. I don't know, but it does not have Kirk's name. It would say, "Come see Dalvin Cook." Sure, for sure. But I, I think that that I think deep down in Kirk's soul that bothers him. But I also think he'd be very wise to realize that if he wants to have a chance to make a playoff run, this is the correct recipe. He's going to throw more than 10 passes, not trying to say he won't. He'll have big games. He will. But the correct recipe is not going to start with, you go do this, Kirk. I think we can already pinpoint when the big games will be. He's going to throw for 300 against Oakland, New York, Washington, well, yeah, probably. But can Washington. you give me the yeah. pro- oh, okay? But can you give me the slightly different games where, where he plays an incredibly sound game? Statistically, it might not knock your socks off, but it's a prime time game, and and it's a huge difference from 2018. That, well, that's where it's important, and that starts this week with Green Bay. That, I mean, when you look at Green Bay's defensive performance in the first game, I don't think that that's just because Mitch Trubisky struggled. We've seen Mitch Trubisky have really good games at times, but they had pressure all over him. Their defensive line is absolutely terrific. The Vikings' offensive line is not absolutely terrific at pass protection from what we learned yesterday. Um Garrett Bradbury got a zero grade from PFF. Pat Elfline got something in the 30s for a pass protection grade. It was not a great day passing. Good day for the most part run blocking, but for sure when every time he dropped back, I think it was something like uh, 14 total dropbacks. So that includes penalties that bring back uh, plays and six pressures or seven pressures almost half the time yesterday that he was getting pressured. That's not what you want to see when you're going to play Green Bay, who has a better defensive line than Atlanta. But when you play these games, can you make the plays that win? is what he needs to do. He doesn't need to throw for 300 yards. Matt Ryan did that yesterday. Congratulations. I'm sure it was a fun plane ride home for Matt Ryan. Right. right? But it's, can he make plays on third down to keep drives going? Yep. Can, can he, when you get a turnover, this is where I would give Kirk Cousins a ton of credit yesterday. You get a turnover, you score a touchdown, boom, right away. Great pass right on the money to Adam Thielen. It's a well-drawn-up play. You stepped up with people falling all around you, and you made the pass that you need to make. That's winning football from the quarterback position. Yes, sometimes you're going to just you know, track meet and run somebody out of the building because there's a lot of bad teams in this league. But when you're playing a team that does have talent and you're put in a situation where you have to make a play to score, to go up seven in the red zone and not up three and leave the other team in the game, can you make that play? And I don't think that you're getting a bunch of turnovers and punt blocks against Green Bay or against Chicago. Those teams are good, and maybe they'll have their coaches in the future. Maybe they won't. I don't know. But Dan Quinn might get fired soon. The way that Atlanta played yesterday. Dirk Cutter, man. Dirk Cutter's coming next. Boy, interim head coach. They they keep trying. They keep trying on that, but they have not found another. um, No, they have not. Another Kyle Shanahan like they had in 2016. But uh, it's to me, it's just about making the plays the big times that win you games, and that's what he did not do last year. There's a play in Chicago where Kirk Cousins rolls out, and there he is. Stefan Diggs, wide freaking open, and he overshoots him. Mm-hmm. There's another play uh, in Chicago last year where they're driving at the end of the half. And if they score, then, hey, this is a real ball game going into the second half. And he has some sort of thing go wrong with the play call, and he overthrows Kyle Rudolph, and it's a pick. 
and he's got the ball down one score with a drive to win that game, and he throws a pick six. And and those are the things where you're going to play a lot of those games with this style. And this is why I think they freaked out about the kicker. With this style, with the running the ball, with the playing the defense, and, and as great as this defense is, controlling the clock, games are not going to be... 38-35 very often, or 52-51, as, as he threw You never there. know. You do there never know. There might be a lot of those 52-point games coming up. If there's a 52-51 would, game, would, that would be amazing. Zimmer would suspend the entire team. <laughs> they have yes, to forfeit the next week. Kirk, what are you talking <laughs> yes, about? Would. But I, I go back to the Patriots game, Seattle game. Those games, to me, it felt, it felt like, and I think this is what got John fired fairly quickly, it felt like those last two games where they basically said, okay, Kirk, you got to do this. He's not capable, but he's very capable of playing a very sound game, if that makes sense. But this notion that you can just put him out there and say, uh, work out a shotgun and go to it because you've got Thielen and Diggs. Okay, there's going to be completions. It might not be a disaster constantly, but it's not, to use your term, it's not winning football. Yep, Winning football, if, if Kirk Cousins throws for, if he if his stats are cut in half, that doesn't mean this team's dead. Because so many people went back at, at the end of last year and said, did you see his stats? Ultimately, it didn't matter. And we saw all the games. It did not matter. Those stats did not. Those stats, there was, I thought, week two in Green Bay was impressive. Mm-hmm. I'll give him that Second one. Second half was. Yes. Second half was. He brought them back because they looked awful. Uh, the Rams game was fun. But it was as far away from the blueprint that the Vikings have drawn up for their own success as you could possibly get. So there was very little last year from the quarterback position where you said, this is a good idea. Right? Yep. And, uh, well, yeah. I mean, to some extent. I always go back to the plays were there to be had to get into the playoffs, and he didn't make them. I mean, he threw backwards against Seattle as opposed but to a wide open. Put, Adam but Thielen. my point I mean, is, he was also being put in a position to yeah. fail because he's Kirk Cousins and yes. he can only do so yeah. much. On, and in a lot of cases, he's, yeah. I mean, he's is, not. It's it's very very simple. He's not an eighty four million dollar quarterback. So if that's your sticking point, if you're a fan and you're saying he's a yeah. no, then just quit watching him. Well, this is where I kind of go like back and forth a little bit because I I think that if you're going to on the free agent market get someone that hog ties you to some extent with your salary cap, even though they've found great and creative ways and should, uh, you know, put Rob Brzezinski up in the rafters or whatever, whatever, uh, you know, just our RB hanging, hanging from yeah. the shed, exactly. the practice shed. Yeah, that's right. Hey guys, um, can you let me down? I know I'm really good at what I do, but I, I just meant his initials or something up on the ring of honor for, okay. for being able All to right. keep this team together. It's been really impressive yep. what they've done with the salary cap. But when you do pay that much, you don't necessarily pay for Pro Bowls or statistics or anything like that. You play um, to have a guy get you over the top when you need it. And that's what they didn't believe Case Keenum could do. They believed Case Keenum could beat, say, last year's Miami Dolphins. Or this year's, or any year. Uh, but, well, but, you, could, you and I could go out and beat the Dolphins. But, but, but like the, anyone could beat right. last year's Miami Dolphins. Right. It, it's... Can you go to Green Bay and win a game that's 14 to 10? Because I think you're going to have to win those games. And can you make just enough plays? And then the big number for him yesterday, I thought, was yards per attempt. And I know there's very few attempts to work with, but this should be a target for them is to throw fewer overall passes. Yes, because you're trying to control the clock and you're trying to get explosive runs. 
But when you complete a 23-yard pass down the field and you can find throws that are moving the chains and, and, and being more efficient as opposed to getting your way to 4,000 yards on 600 passes, like the math just doesn't really add up when you're trying to throw short pass after short pass after short pass. The, one of the best ways to grade an, an offense is just to look at how many yards per play they get. And when you get that many yards per play in terms of passing, you're probably going to be pretty damn good even if you didn't have to throw the ball 400 times uh, in a game or whatever, 40 times in a game or, mm-hmm. or 600 times over a year. So I'm, I'm trying to do two things at once here and pull up. So last year, the best team in terms of yards per attempt, if you adjust for your, uh, your sacks and your interceptions, Kansas City Chiefs. Number two, New Orleans Saints. Number three, Chargers. Number four, Rams. And then the Falcons are there. Then Seahawks and Patriots. The top seven, the Falcons had a terrible defense last year. All the rest of the teams are in the playoffs. All the rest of the teams have elite quarterbacks. They're all great. And that's the way that you can evaluate your passing game, not how many just overall yards you end up with or something like that. And usually if you're efficient that way, and then you have your quarterback make big plays at big times, you're going to be a great team. And those are the things that they just didn't do last year. Oh, I didn't give you what the Vikings were last year. Uh, they were they were 14th in adjusted net yards per attempt, which is not terrible. But then the regular yards per attempt, it was 23rd, which is terrible. Okay. So, yeah, you know, I mean, that's what they have to be better at, is my point. Is just you have to be more efficient. And that's what Kubiak over his career has been with this passing game. So did you pay $84 million for 5,000 yards? Like, if you're winning on this team, probably not. And that's okay. That's fine. Exactly. Oh, hey, called this one. What's up? little breaking news for the Vikings. You're welcome, everyone. Uh, they brought back Brett Jones. Oh, they did bring it. Oh, yeah, they, they did bring him back. Who's gone? Who got let go? That I don't know. So he comes back as he was released in. He was released last Sunday. Is that right? A week ago, Sunday. Yep. All right. Um, do I get credit for that, Jonathan? Is that sources? Can I call scoops? Yeah, you can. Get I thought credit that was for reported that. by a few people. Like I'm the first to give you credit, but I thought that was no, reported by here, a few people. He did say it last week. Here's a, two two right. two ways two ways talk. that I knew this was going to happen. Way number one, they yep. did the same thing with David Perry. Like they cut David Perry at one point last year, and then they journey. they brought him back. Wow, uh, that was and, very collar like of me. I'd like then, to apologize. I know. And really? then he got uh, and then he got cut again. The other thing was <laughs> sorry, that so disappointed. Brett Jones's locker stayed in the corner. Oh, like, that's why you knew. I was like, unless they're honoring Brett Jones, did the nameplate not come out? It, the jersey didn't come out. Oh, well then that's okay. They had everything in there. I think that his um, his shampoo was still in Tom there. Johnson left. Seattle told him, "Don't remind." Hang me. out. No, not from here. Poor Seattle. Yeah, I know. And then, and then he, came, right, back he came back So Brett Jones is back, and we can end that national nightmare. There were people who were mad about that. Well, uh, wait, wait. You're not serious. No, they're mad about everything. They were mad about the poll earlier. What was the poll? The poll, well, uh, you can give me your answer on this one, uh, was can the Vikings win the way they did on Sunday on a weekly basis and win the NFC North? The formula? Absolutely. It'll be more than ten passes, well, but course, yes, the blueprint yeah. the blueprint works perfectly. It's what they want. My problem was why relying Koobs on common here. sense for people. It's to why Coobs is here. Coobs yeah. yep. goes into Zim's office every morning and drinks three cups of coffee and says, "You like what we're doing?" And Zim says, "I love what we're doing." <laughs> he and then they say, yesterday. "Hey, Kevin, you can come in now too." <laughs> oh. 
Uh, I love that you worked your Kubiak magic with your headline there. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's take. I'm a, a big fan, by the way. Let's take a break. Well, I mean, yes, yesterday was exactly what Kubiak wanted to do, and they executed it. Fifty-two to forty-eight right now. So some people think they're going to have to be a lot better in terms of the passing game to win games, and uh, fifty-two saying that yes, you can win that way. All right, we will uh, return in just a moment. Here, you're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. 3.47 here at Score North. Time for the Score North download. We know the Vikings won 28-12, and we're celebrating that all day here on Victory Monday here at Score North. Looking outside of the Vikings as at the NFL as a whole, we're wondering what your storyline of the weekend is. Is it Antonio Brown getting cut by the Raiders and then four hours later signing unsurprisingly with the Patriots? Or is it... Uh, Lamar Jackson throwing for a perfect quarterback rating in a 59-10 route of the Dolphins. Him shutting up critics, throwing five touchdowns, 324 yards there. Or is it the other storyline coming out of the game, which is this one? Brian Flores in Miami has some issues right out of the gate. Yeah, absolutely. That 59-10 loss has sparked some consternation in the locker room. There's been perception outside the organization that the Dolphins are tanking. Well, now it's starting to trickle into the organization. I'm told multiple players got their agents on the phone after today's loss and said, get us out of here. We want to be traded. We don't want to be part of this effort to tank for Tua Tonga-Vailoa or whoever the Dolphins would take next year. Now, I reached out to the Dolphins. They said they haven't heard from any agents or players or received any requests, but uh, the night is still young. Let us know your storyline from the NFL weekend over at Score North on Twitter, at SKOR North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment today of Purple Daily. Okay. Mackie and Judd with Rami is coming up next at 4 o'clock. Judd Zolgad in studio now. Jonathan Harrison producing as always. So uh, as we wrap up the day after and tomorrow, we'll start sort of looking forward with Courtney Cronin. Alex Boone will talk about what he saw probably on the offensive line. I think that's a good I'd choice. I'd love to hear his thoughts on Yes. Yeah, I would too. Um, so he's going to look at the tape and bring his insights to what he saw on the O-line. I've gotten quite a few emails about that of people who said... Look, it's a good win, and Atlanta kind of gave it to you, but uh, that offensive line looked a little shaky at times, and the pro football focus numbers reflect that as well for how often Cousins That Bradbury scores. I didn't realize it was that bad. I'm going to have to look at why. I sent a message to our friend Eric Eager, and he basically said this, that when there's this small of a sample, the way that they grade them is on a scale from basically horrendously awful plays... Um, what was the worst play of last year? It was probably Cousins throwing it backwards. Uh, multiple throws backwards, actually. But that's like the worst possible play. To plays where you didn't really matter, which would be like you get no grade at all for those types of plays. To plays where you make a Brett Favre throw against the 49ers. And, and that's your scale. And it's on... I. It would take a long time to explain the math, and I don't fully understand it. But basically, negative 2 to 2. So it's got this scale. And then they grade each play for each player. Right. So if Bradbury had a couple of negative plays that were really bad and then the other pass protection plays were just nothing like he did his job, he didn't do anything spectacular, he didn't crush a guy or pancake or anything else in pass protection. That's how you could get a zero. That's a zero. If you didn't have any positive plays in pass protection on 10 dropbacks or 14 total pass blocking Snaps. So it's not as bad as it sounds necessarily. It's not good. It kind of is, but no, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as when Tom Compton got a 7 out of 100 against Aaron Donald. And that was like 50 dropbacks. 
That means you're getting destroyed on almost that every That wasn't one. Tom Compton's fault, That though. means you Tom, basically never won a rep against Aaron Donald, which, uh, understandable. Yes. But after yesterday, how how did you feel about that? How did you feel about the offensive line? We'll get the, the verdict from Alex, who knows how to properly break all this stuff down. But my feeling was that I'm just not going to change how I felt through preseason and training camp, which is this could still be an issue in, in big games and big situations. Sure. I didn't like that Kirk Cousins only threw 10 passes and twice got blindsided. Not a big fan of that. And the first the first time was really bad because the first time I thought he might he get hurt on that. He could have hurt his back badly. Yeah. Um, you know what? It's one game. I don't know. I mean, you threw 10 passes. I don't know. It's you. You dominated the Falcons so thoroughly from the moment that Anthony Barr sacked Matt Ryan to the block punt. I was impressed with the formula to success, but as far as individual position groups, it's very hard to judge there. I thought your I thought your secondary played well. I liked that they're very good. Uh, but as far as handing, as far as as actually grading individual position groups as a whole, I think it's tough now. Uh, I do know this, though. No matter what happens, if you have Dalvin Cook playing and you can hand him the football X amount of times per game, your offense is in a pretty good place. A far better place than saying, Kirk, drop back and pass and please save us. Because if you do that, then Kirk's going to get hit. Uh, so so the Dalvin Cook d- dynamic to me was the most interesting one yesterday. And Matthew, it's incredible. He had as many rushing touchdowns on Sunday as he had rushing touchdowns in all of 2018 in Mm. in 11 games. He had two rushing touchdowns against the Dolphins in one game last year, and that was it. I was going to bring up his next-gen stats, by the way, of all people who had the football in their hands and were running somewhere with it. He had the ninth and 11th fastest runs. So he went over 20 miles an hour twice, and... Um, only guys who got in open space like Sammy Watkins or just blazing fast were running faster than Delvin Cook. And I think you put it perfectly earlier on Ventline when you said that he runs like somebody who's 5'8", but he's actually not 5'8". He's like 5'11". And he runs like someone who's 180 pounds or 200 pounds, and he's like 220. So he can get power behind his pads, so to speak. The football guys would say that. And he ran over a linebacker at one point, but he can also dodge and spin and do all these other things. So, you know, I think what it really speaks to is with this passing game, when you get into situations where you have to be a drop-back passer and you can't run play action and things like that, that's where we're going to see the offensive line defined, and it was not good yesterday when they had those very rare situations. That's where they're going to have to improve But if you get these guys moving, I saw a couple of clips that were thrown out there by like Matt Bowen from ESPN, who's terrific at breaking it down. And uh, I'm sure Alex will pick up on this, too, that one thing Josh Klein's good at is moving. I mean, he can get out there. He can pull. He can be quick. And they have defined this offensive line exactly the way they wanted it to run the way they wanted to run with Delvin Cook. But there are sacrifices that you have to make sometimes by doing that. And people have focused on. Pat Elfline, boy, he got really uh, is he just not destroyed as, by Grady Jarrett on one play. What's gone wrong there? Is is he he not as good a guard as he was his first year at center? He was pretty good. Yep. Now he was hurt. Then after that, and, and I thought last year was a disaster for him. But I thought it's because he he had been hurt and basically couldn't train. Yeah. 
So now in this move and, and him not excelling through training camp and now, is this a product of the fact he's not as good of a guard? Is this the physical toll that two years ago took on him? What's your guess? Well, I think that he's probably a decent player, probably an average player, who has been in really tough positions outside of that first year. That first year, he had two centers next to him, and both of them were pretty good, Nick Easton and Joe Berger. And when they weren't there, it was a lot harder when things got shuffled around uh, on the offensive line. And last year was definitely the injuries and the quality of competition. I think that's another part of it. It's just the quality of competition is tough. And when Grady Jarrett's lining up over you, it, it's not it's not good. So anyway, I'm going to hand this off to you guys. Uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next. Alex Boone, Courtney Cronin tomorrow. We'll continue to break this one down and move it forward to Green Bay. All right, we'll catch you then here on Purple Daily. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.